Welcome to the PR Moment Podcast. Produced in association with the Marketeers Network. This week, in the latest of our Life Stories podcasts, I'm interviewing Director of Global Communications at Microsoft Services, Tom Murphy. Tom started his career at Tax 100 in Ireland and then worked for a couple of startups and mid sized firms in their in house teams before joining Microsoft Ireland in 2005. He moved to Microsoft's head office in Redmond in the US in 2009 and is now Global Communications Director at Microsoft Services. Tom is joining us via phone line from Redmond. Tom, welcome to the Pillman Podcast. Hey, Ben. Delighted. Good to talk to you. Tom, you're working in a global role at Microsoft based in the USHQ. What was it that you did at Microsoft Island, do you think, that meant that you got the tap on the shoulder to go to the US? Yeah, you know, I joined Microsoft after I'd already had about a, a decade's experience working in a whole set of startups and on the agency side, working in global accounts and campaigns and, and work. And really, I joined Microsoft to kind of get experience working in a big company. So, when I worked in Ireland, I was kind of working across the entire uh, business, doing business PR across all our products. I was doing uh, corporate PR. I was involved in public affairs and corporate social responsibility. So I had the opportunity to work with a lot of the teams at the HQ level. Um, and also, as a big company, Microsoft has kind of a, a good talent, ma- talent management system. So I think all those things, building that network, uh, an opportunity came up to come and join the team in Redmond, uh, which is just outside Seattle. Uh, and uh, I haven't looked back since, so it's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those, when I when, when I meet people who work for, for big organisations, big global organisations like Microsoft, it's um, you never quite know whether you're going to get the opportunity to go and work abroad or, or, or at the head office. Um, and presumably it's quite a, it's a big thing to turn it down, right? Because then, then where do you go next? Yeah, it is. And I think, um, you know, at Microsoft, we have kind of a, a career profile where right. <clears throat> you spend a couple of years learning a job, you spend a couple of years doing the job, and then you, you look for your next move. So there, there's that at play as well. You know, for, in terms of your career progression, they want you to keep on taking on bigger roles and, and more responsibility. So moving to the, the corporate HQ, obviously, was, was an obvious next step on that. Uh, and obviously, you've got to find the right, the right opportunity, and it's got to be the right time in your life. Um, but I'd spent a lot of time working in the U.S. in my previous role. So, um, you know, we, 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 were, we were open to the move. Fine. Because it's a big decision, right? I mean, you, 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 got, you had family, you got kids. Uh, presumably you have no regrets? Yeah, no. It's, you know, from a personal perspective, um, Seattle and the, the Pacific Northwest is, is a pretty beautiful part of the world. Uh, we've, we're lucky to have a really good quality of life here. Right. Um, and also, like the rest of the West Coast, you know, people from all over the world converge here. So it's a bit of a melting pot. So in terms of moving in from abroad, it, it, it's a very open, welcoming place to do that. Um, and, you know, when you've lived on a small island, the fact you can go skiing 40 minutes from your front door is, is, is a benefit. And the fact you get a guaranteed four or five month summer is, is also a benefit. Um, and then on a professional basis, you know, it's been a fantastic move. I've, I've, I've met a lot of great people, worked with a lot of smart people. I've, you know, had the opportunity to work on large global uh, campaigns, and, and, you know, with a big company, you've, you've got a lot of opportunities to work in a whole range of different areas. So both personally and professionally, it's, it's worked out really well. Yeah, you're, the heart is not bleeding when you think about the long summers and the fact that you're <laughs> potentially going skiing ah, yeah, this miss, weekend. But um, Yeah, there's things you miss about home too. But we get back there regularly, so 
so I get my uh, I get topped up there and then come back. I was reading something in the uh, on the uh, online this morning about it being super cold uh, over there at the moment. Is have you have, uh, have you got are you part of that or have you you got? Uh, are no, you off the hook? We're, it's, it's very temperate here. Okay. It's not dissimilar to UK and Ireland. Just just a better summer and and skiing is closer. Other than right. that, it's pretty similar. You should know, Tom, that skiing is my favourite sport. So every time you talk about it, a, a little bit of, a little bit of me dies. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm a very social skier. Right. Very social skier. Okay. Now, um, it's your 10-year anniversary, right, this year? I just, I just, was just thinking that at Microsoft. I mean, uh, in the in the states. Yeah, so I, think it's, um... I think it's uh, in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, I'll be here. Ten years. It's, it's gone past very, very quickly. Well, happy birthday, Tom. Um, but most of your career has been spent in house, hasn't it? So, what would you say are the big differences between working in house and agency side? You know, I started out in the agency world, and, and that's where I kind of learned the solid basics of what good communications are. And, and although the practice of PR and comms has changed a huge amount in the intervening period, I think the basics of good communications uh, remain the same. And I think that, that grounding benefited me in a big way. Um, it, it's hard to generalize between agency and in-house, but I mean, you know, I think when you're in-house, you've got one primary focus, which is your employer. And I think on the agency side, you're, you're balancing your client's agenda and priorities with, with your employer. Um, I think you have on the agency side a, more, um, a bigger and more uh, active communications environment where when you're in-house, you'll be typically working on a smaller team or you may not be working with other communicators at all. So that's a big, big difference. I think in-house, you become a little bit deeper on the business um, you know, I say it's a, you're, you're, you're a mile deep rather than uh, and an inch wide rather than a mile wide and an inch deep. Okay. Um, so I think that's something. And I think you're closer to where the business decisions are being made when you're in-house. Um, but I think probably the biggest difference is, is you're facing different pressures. I think the pressure you feel on the agency side from the client is very different from the uh, pressure you feel when you're inside a company and you're dealing with multiple stakeholders and your boss and everything else. But I'm a huge proponent that communicators should try and spend time both on the agency side and the in-house side. I don't, you know, I think people will prefer and have preferences for which they prefer. But I think having the perspective of what it's like to work in-house and what it's like to work on the agency side really builds a lot of empathy on both sides. Um, so it's it's something I, I I value that I've done both. I could. I don't know if my next step will be back on the agency side or in-house, but but doing both just rounds out your your life experience when you're when you're working in communications. Okay, I, mean, I suspect they're pretty broad and, and varied, but uh, just give us an idea or an insight into those the types of pressures that that you have when you're you're working in-house, in a senior role, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's you know when you're on the agency side doing PR, it, it's a very finite set of activities that you're focused on, whereas. When you're doing communications in-house, you're typically on a broader I, – I, and again, I, you're getting into rationalizations here, and I don't want to do that – but you're typically dragged into a broader set of activities. And so you can get spread very thin very quickly. Okay. Uh, and there's a lot of – there can be a lot of randomization depending on what's going on in the business. And, and you know, you're at the front end when, when there's pressure on the business. So that brings a different set of kind of – uh, daily uh, pressures. You're also dragged into a lot more meetings and a lot more planning, and you're close to the finance side of the business. So it's just a, it's, it's a very different working environment, I think, uh, of which communications is a core part, but maybe not just the only thing you're doing on a daily basis. 
time. If that makes sense. Uh, now, you did a degree in marketing, right? Um, and during the, uh, during the pre-show call that we did, you said you, you, you didn't want to end up – the one thing you didn't want to do was end up at working in PR or in technology. So, uh, so what changed then, Tom? Yeah, like, I, you know, like a lot of people when I went to college, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. I wasn't very good at maths, so finance wasn't, wasn't an option for me. It didn't excite me. And I thought, I don't know what I want to do. I do want to work in business probably, so marketing is probably the most generic approach I can take. And when I graduated, I really didn't know what area I wanted to go in. There were two areas I didn't want to go in. One was PR, and that was really because... I think my perception of PR at that time was really driven by kind of absolutely fabulous, the TV show, and that just didn't appeal to me at all. And then the whole idea of computers just bored me to death, so I I didn't want anything to do with it. And I spent the last 20 plus years doing PR for computer companies. So whenever a student comes to me and says, uh, you know, I'd like some career advice, I I always preface it by saying I'm probably not the best person to give you that advice. Um, I think the reason I fell into it was uh, when I graduated, there was, the economy was in a serious downturn in Ireland at the time. There were very few jobs, and I saw a job advertised for a marketing uh, graduate uh, for a computer company. I applied, and it turned out to be a PR agency. Uh, and so I got into PR that way and quickly discovered that B2B PR was very different from, from what I'd seen on TV, and I really enjoyed it. And I got the bug around technology and computers. And, you know, you look at the, the how computer and techno- computers and technology have advanced in the last 20 years, you can see how it becomes addictive. So yeah. I, I've loved the career, but I fell into it. So what, just talk us to that, that, the reality, I suppose, of modern public relations today, because you, know, you look at it from a perspective of a, a pretty senior global organization um, perspective, uh, and it's just interesting to hear, I suppose how how, how that original myth, that, if you like, from the Abfab. I don't I don't want to talk about, highlight that too much. It's almost it's cringeworthy, isn't it? But that, how that how that differs from the reality of what you do today. Oh, I I think I have been the luckiest man alive to to have fallen into this career. You know, PR provides such a diverse set of work experiences, um, just the diversity of industries you're working across, uh, the types of activity, like the di- different disciplines of communications from, you know, media relations to analyst relations to investor relations to crisis communications, the variety of things you're dealing with on a daily basis. I'm not sure there's any job that, that matches that. Uh, in, in addition, I think uh, the fact that The world of PR is always changing. You know, you look at the advent of social media, you look at the growth of trust. uh, You have to keep your brain active. You have to keep learning. You have to keep developing. Um, While the basic skills of comms are are constant throughout, um, you have to keep that inquisitiveness uh, at the forefront and, and keep learning and developing. I just think that makes it such a rewarding career. And the other thing is, you know, PR and communications folks, typically are at the, 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 the leader's table when decisions are being made. And so the fact you have input into those decisions, the fact you're able to shape strategy and um, address major business issues, um, I just get a huge buzz from it. I, I just love this career. Um, and, and to think it was by accident, I, I just feel myself very lucky to have got into it. Brilliant. So just it leads nicely on to my next question, actually, that how the profile of public relations within Microsoft has changed in the last 10 years, because there's all those sort of um, external factors that you just covered there. Presumably, the, the, what does that mean that the the profile of the, the public relations department w- within a firm like Microsoft, not just Microsoft, it's, um, it, it has, has grown, has risen? 
Yeah, so, I mean, you know, when you work for a company who has a very famous founder who reportedly said that if he had a dollar to spend, he'd spend it in PR. I'm not sure that's then, ever been proven he said that, has it? <laughs> I, I said reportedly. I said reportedly. So, you know, you know PR is a, is a major strategic function of Microsoft. It always has been. Uh, right. They've always seen the value of engaging with stakeholders from the very early stages of the company when Bill Gates was working with developers to get them onto the platform. Um, they've always seen PR as a, as, as a very strategic function. And I don't think that's changed. Um, I, I moved away from the, the PR world about four years ago to move into the business uh, and, and more focused on employee comms. Um, so I'm kind of looking at it from a further standpoint. But, but if I look at Frank Shaw and his team and where they've done a, a great job, I look at three things. I look at how our business has changed in the last five years. And so a lot of people will know Microsoft's gone through this massive cultural and business transformation. <clears throat> and at the same time, the PR environment has transformed. And so I think that the PR team here has done a great job evolving how they think about PR in the new world. You know, if you think about our company, we've moved from shipping products every three years to shipping new features every month, every week, every day. And so that's completely transformed how they think about PR. And then you look at how social media and influence has changed, and they've really evolved. They've done a nice job evolving that. I think the second thing they've, where they've made a lot of progress is storytelling. Um, they've made a massive investment in storytelling of all sorts, you know, long form, video, and I think, uh, you know, imagery, just looking differently and, and innovating around how we tell those stories and what kind of stories we tell. So I think that they made a lot of progress there. And then the third thing I think is, and again, I'm looking at this from afar because I'm not sitting in the group, but the work they're doing around data and insights and how that can help inform not only the PR we do, but the impact of that PR and how it works across the rest of the business has been super interesting. Um, and if anyone's interested in that, I, uh, Jamin Spitzer, who uh, is very involved in the data work they're doing in the PR team, did a really good uh, presentation at the AMEC conference in Barcelona last year. It's definitely worth having a, a Bing search on. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll try and put that on, on within the link of the story. Yeah, I just related, I guess, to that, to that AMEC point you just mentioned there. Um, how does an in-house team like yours use data these days? You know, I think um, it's super interesting when you think about the opportunities data gives to comms folks, right, in terms of our daily jobs. And I'm, I'm amazed at how half our, our, our profession seems to have really embraced it and half is kind of uh, ignoring it or avoiding it at all costs. Um, I, was, I was talking to a, a senior leader, PR leader, last year in a large tech brand who they don't use, use data at all. They don't use measurement at all. You know, if the business metrics are right and the leaders are happy, everything's good. And oh. I just find that amazing to me uh, in this day and age because I think data opens up massive opportunities. Uh, for us as communicators to do a better job to justify investments in comms, etc. Um, I'm not a data scientist, but I do. I am passionate about data. Uh, I'm passionate about the opportunity it has to help me do a better job and, and do a better job um, justifying the investment in comms. Um, I think we use data in a number of ways. Uh, like most companies, we have an annual employee survey, for example, where we get in-depth uh, research results in terms of how people are feeling about the business, what their sentiments are, where the problems are. Uh, we get about 90% of our people um, completing that survey, so it gives us a really deep view of the business and the health of the business from an employee sentiment perspective. Uh, we also use daily polls, pulse polls, uh, which we look at on a weekly and monthly basis for kind of trends across the business. And then we use data from a 
output perspective, so you know, how is email performing? Are people opening and reading email? Are they taking an action from the email? Um, we look at engagement on our intranets. We look at our employees' social networks, which, uh, given that it's Microsoft, will be no surprise. It's Yammer we use for that. So the, all these kind of um, this data gives us, <clears throat> excuse me, a really nice what I call balanced scorecard, where we can see the health of the business, where we can see how the uh, activities we're executing, how they're performing. Uh, it enables us to experiment with different techniques and different approaches, measure the impact of that. Has it worked? Has it not? What do we learn? Um, it provides a great early warning system in terms of uh, where are there problems appearing in the business that may become systematic over time and how do we get after those? And so when I, you know, I, I don't think we're best in class, but we're certainly focused on using data more and more, using AI and machine learning to try and drive those insights that will help us do a better job and ultimately make the business more successful. And just from a KPI's perspective, I mean, are you, are you, is your suite of KPI's, is, is that at the, is that sort of three, 10, 30? How many different types of levels of KPI's do you, do you, do you find is useful? Yeah, we have probably, uh, what we do is, it, it, so we've got two versions. We have a high-level scorecard, which looks at about eight KPIs across the top. Right. And then for any of those eight KPIs, there's a number of KPIs we can drill into right. that give us a little bit more insight into why that's going up or down or why that score may be impacted. Right. Um, and so we, we do it at both levels. We do it deep where we see there's a problem, and then we use the overall indicators to kind of see how we're tracking overall. You know, in a world where we, in the past, struggled to show value uh, and, and use the output of our activity to drive business outcomes, I think that you know, we're, we're on this journey to, to, to be a lot more relevant. Yeah, I think it's interesting. One of your, uh, when, you, when you started about uh, colleagues in, in other businesses not using data, I think one of the main reasons I see for that is that people are afraid of, of what the data might tell them in terms of that they're not, they're not impacting the business. Um, but any any stats that I've seen tend to tend to show anyway that that PR out, outperforms other areas of the Marcoms mix in terms of ROI. Um, not not that these things are ever necessarily you know it's not one channel is it that the channels tend to support each other. But but you know what I mean that the, the data tends to come out in favour of, of, of public relations as a as a as a channel. I think you've hit on a core point there, right? I when I talk to even my team about data. The first response is a little bit defensive. Oh, you're trying to judge, am I doing well or doing not? This is not going to end well for me. And in fact, I look at data in a different way. It's really not about uh, whether you're doing your job or not. It's informative and helps us make better decisions, right? So it's less about are we hitting X. It's about why aren't we hitting X and what can we do to change that and then measuring that change over time. So I look at it less as kind of a, a big stick to beat with people with and much more about a way of doing better work. Um, but I do think people are a little bit afraid of it. I think people are concerned they're, they're going to be exposed for not being successful. And I think we've got to move away from that mindset. I think we've got to look at it as a huge asset and resource for doing better work. Sure. Now you touched on it previously, but your, your current role is, is pretty internal, internal comms focused, isn't it? Just just tell us about what it involves because it's it's on a pretty huge scale, isn't it? Yeah, we, we so we do a little bit of work with PR and AR, and we do some other Marcom work, but primarily my my team is focused on employee communications, and so uh, we work in the Microsoft Services team. Uh, services is about sixteen thousand people 
uh, in about 90 countries around the world. Uh, it's a professional services organization within Microsoft. So we have architects and consultants and engineers working with customers directly to kind of help them get the best out of their investment in IT, helping them transform their businesses. So the businesses, our entire business is around people. And so as a result, we invest a lot of resources in, um, in, in, in employee engagement, employee communications, making sure people are clear on what the priorities are for the business, making sure they have access to the tools they need, the information they need to get their job done. Um, and so it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, you're, you're very close to the business. You're very close to the challenges the business is having and how we can apply communications to help address some of those problems. So I, I just find it very, very rewarding. And what uh, the scale is, as you know, as somebody who works in a, in a small business, it, I, I do find the scale um, somewhat daunting, but at the same time interesting that, that, that what, what you're trying to do. What, what, you know, what, what do you actually, what, what, what works? You know, is it, is it about getting, getting um, that, 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 that communication on people's mobile phones? Is it, is it about the, you know, the, the, the notice board? Is it about meetings? Is it, how, how, do, how do you take on that employee communication yeah. um, element within a business of, of whatever it is, 20,000 people? Yeah, it can be a bit overwhelming. <clears throat> Excuse me. It can be a bit overwhelming. I, look, you, you start with what the business priorities are, getting very clear on what the priorities for the business are. Then the second thing is you look at where you are today. So, so going back to the data we talked about earlier, where are we having problems in the business? How well do people understand the, the priorities? How well are people finding the information they need? So you start looking at that information. Then you look at your audiences. So in a 20,000 people or a 16,000 people organization, you've got a load of different discrete audiences and roles within that organization. And so your execution or plans and strategies for those different audiences may be different. But understanding where they are today and where you need to get them to is how you start. And then you start building programs from that base. But you start at the very beginning about where are we today, what are the priorities, where do we need to get to, and then you start building out programs uh, that, that, that help under, underline that. And then, you know, as a large organization, the world has completely changed, right? Where before you could go into a job and you have the same job forever, the reality is markets are changing, businesses are changing, internal processes are changing. Change is just this constant thing that's happening. And, you know, our leaders believe that one, you can't have change without bringing people along the journey. And two, communications is probably the most effective way, of, effective way to engage people on that journey. And so communications is, is really deeply involved across all those business priorities, all those work streams uh, throughout the year. And so it's, it's fascinating. And, you know, it can be a little bit overwhelming. And, some, you know, the, the difference between working in employee engagement maybe and public relations is – the people you're communicating to are in the next office and they're not shy giving you feedback on how you're doing or what's going well and what's not. Uh, But at the same time, it's great to have that feedback loop, you know, to hear that and and, and change what we're doing to do it better. Um, So, yeah, so it's it's fascinating. And how has the the nature of employee comms changed in recent years? Because I suppose technology has played a role in in moving forward the the type of work that you do. Yeah, well, I think at the at the macro level, our world is changing. Right. I mean, it just changes this thing that we're all having to deal with all the time. We're all having to continue to scale, focus on learning new skills, doing, you know, our jobs are changing, right? Your, your, your job scope is changing, is changing and people aren't comfortable with change. Humans aren't inherently comfortable with having to change. And so that's something that, that, that's always going on within a business. I think we're also, you look at a knowledge economy, people have become so valuable. 
uh, and it's a finite resource. So people are really putting investment into finding and keeping the right people and then enabling those people to do the best job. And so that's what's driving, I think, the growth in employee communications and engagement. Um, I, I also saw, I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, Edelman brought out the latest uh, version of their trust barometer. Yep. And, you know, <clears throat> people trust their employer. 75% of people trust their employer, which is more than any other entity out there, more than nonprofits, more than yeah. other businesses, more than media. And employees who trust their employer are far more likely to engage um, on their behalf. So there's, there's huge opportunity, not just in how people do their work, but how they advocate on your behalf. And so I think that's what's driving employee communications, uh, to, to be a much more strategic uh, function than it might have been in the past. I'm assuming you know, modern employee communications means, means multi-channel, multi-message, um, and on multiple Completely. levels, I suppose. So it's, Completely. it's pretty complicated, right? It is. And I mean, it's getting more complicated by the day. You know, people are used to consuming information where they are in the format they like. And so as we look at communication, uh, we use social networks. We use internal social or enterprise social networks like Yammer. We use email. We use intranets. Um, we you know, give people the information on mobile. I mean, we're always looking at it. And it's typically a mix of those channels we use. And then there are new channels coming in, and then you've got to look at content and delivering video because people are you know, enjoying video a lot more. They're looking for shorter, pithier um, content, uh, quicker access to resources. And so, yeah, we're looking at all those things. I would say in Microsoft, you know, based on our data, our, our environment is still very e- email-heavy. Right. But we're seeing the emergence of things like Microsoft Teams and uh, Yammer and, and even external social networks in some cases. Right, and do you, and you do that mostly in house, just without going into too much depth of that. And just there's a lot of there's a lot of pro, you know production stuff there. You have to produce a lot of content. So, but and you're as far as I understand it, you're doing most of that within within your team rather than using agency yeah. I support. think I think it could, yeah. We we do use agencies for some uh, creative work. We do use agencies for some technical work. Um, but also, I think the skill set of uh, employee communications professionals is broadening. You know, I think more of my team are taking on video production capabilities and uh, graphic design capabilities so that you can turn these things um, very quickly. Okay. Uh, and finally, what, what's next for Tom Murphy? You know, I, it, it's a great question. I, I love the work I'm doing. I, I've always, I'm one of those annoying people who loves what I do. I, I just, I jump out of bed in the morning and I, I, I love getting into work. Um, and throughout my career, uh, the, the, the moment I know I have to make a change is, is that first Monday morning where I wake up and go, oh, I really don't want to go in. So I haven't had one of those moments here yet. I'm, I'm happy doing that. Um, I'm sure that moment will come eventually. Um, and I really have no idea. I think, you know, I've had such a breadth of experiences. I think maybe finding a role where I, I get to use all those in one place might be, might be interesting as a next step. But, but who knows? But for the moment, I'm, I'm very happy where I am. Brilliant. Tom Murphy, thank you so much. Ben, thanks very much. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the PR Moment podcast, produced in association with the Marketeers Network. If you'd enjoyed the show, please do review us on iTunes and give us a decent rating.